You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what is up, good people? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. You know I appreciate it. There is a lot you could be doing with your time, and the fact that you are spending it here with me means an awful lot. It really really, truly does. This week, I have my friend Ian Fowles from the Aquabats back on. It's been several years since he's been on the podcast, and I was really, really excited to talk to him again. It was, I don't know, a couple months ago, he invited me and my son Vincent out to a show, which you hear Vincent on some of the ads on this podcast. He invited us out to a show, and it was absolutely, positively some of the most fun I've ever had at a show. If you've never seen the Aquabats live, you have to do it. As much fun as their music is to listen to, the live experience, they are just one of those bands that you absolutely have to see live. It's so much fun. The atmosphere is so exciting. Everyone is just there to have the best time. So if you've never been, please treat yourself next time they're coming through and go to one of their shows. If you're a parent, even better, take your kids. If you have some young kids in your life that you think should have some more musical experiences, this is a perfect show to take them to. So go see the Aquabats. And that's really all the business I have for this week, I think. And that being the case, I will leave you with a humble request to please share this show with somebody that you think would enjoy it. If there's anybody in your life that you think would enjoy this podcast, please have them listen to it, have them subscribe. And if you haven't left a review for this show on whatever platform you listen to it on, please go ahead and drop a five star, leave us a comment, all that good stuff by us. I mean me, because I'm just here in this shed all by myself. So thank you so much to everybody that's already done that. And without further ado, let's get into this episode with my buddy Ian Fowles from the Aquabats. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally. Sometimes I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have returning Ian Fowles, Eagle Bones Falcon Hawk of the Aquabats. What's going on, dude? Hello, how you doing? I'm doing great. So what's been going on, man? You guys just did a, a big old tour. We went and hung out uh, at the Portland date and we had a good time, but uh, yeah. you've been busy. You're a busy man. I know that much. What have you been yeah, up to? Kind of, yeah. Doing the Aquabats and, you know, uh, I have a real job and I have a family too, so that keeps me pretty busy. Um, and, uh, you know, working on, uh, a new run of the Falcon drive pedal should be hopefully coming out this year. Um, so new colorway and stuff, it should be really cool. Um, that was a signature pedal I did with rude tech pedals out of Mm -hmm. Nashville, uh, last year. Yes. Yes. Um, we sold out of the first run and going to do, uh, do another. That's super cool. That's a super cool pedal, and uh, thanks for letting me get my greasy mitts on it and make a bunch of noise and yeah. all that stuff. That was a lot of fun. It's it's way more uh, high gain than I think people would probably expect from from your, a signature pedal of yours. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Right. Actually, I got one over here. Um, oh, there we go. Uh, there it is. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I love the graphic on it. It's so cool. Yeah, we want it to be loud, both uh, visually and uh, audibly. Um, sure. Yeah, so uh, it's basically uh, kind of clones of two of my pedals. It's a Boss Super Overdrive and a Boss Distortion, the SD1 and the DS1 mm-hmm. in one pedal. And then there's a blend knob. You could go from all overdrive to all distortion or anywhere in between. Um, yeah, for like in the Aquabats, I don't really do much super high gain stuff, but um, it uh, sometimes you just need it. 
you know yes. i wanted it i wanted it to kind of be like if someone didn't have any pedals yet maybe they could buy this one and have a decent intro pedal that could have a lot of different gain sounds from overdrive to distortion i used mm-hmm. to teach a lot of lessons um both in person and online and you know students would ask me like what's the first pedal i should get i'm like probably an overdrive or maybe distortion you know so mm-hmm. i was like well what, what about both <laughs> in one pedal so i kind of had like um beginners in mind but i think it's it's a great quality that you know i i use it on my board professionals could use it too and you can pull a lot of different sounds out of it so it's two modded versions of boss pedals essentially in there um it's got a wide range of tones so something for something for everyone i think in there something for the whole family i like yeah it. i like it I want to take just a second and pause. I forgot I was going to talk about this at the top of the show, but um, I I don't usually wear sunglasses during these interviews, but I have on a few of them, and it isn't because I'm trying to be super cool. Uh, a lot of listeners know this, but I had an eye injury back in 2011, and sometimes staring at a screen is a little bit rough, So, especially with these lights and everything that's going on. So I'm, I'm Mr. Cool Guy today, everybody. Uh, that's what's going on here. Dude, eye injuries yeah. are no joke. Yeah, it's. I've yeah. had a few as well. Uh, it was horrible. a bad time. Yeah. yeah, wear your safety glasses and goggles, and you don't. I I just saw a dude, one of my neighbors. He does a lot of metalworking, and I happened to just roll by. He just he was doing the same thing that lots of people used to do, and I had done previously, just running a grinder, just <laughs> totally exposed. He had his ear protection on, so that was good, but uh, his face was was wide open and uh I was actually wearing a face shield when it happened to me but that wasn't quite enough. So Whoa. Wear your wear wear your eye protection folks. It's good for you. Trust me. Did it shoot up underneath it? Yeah, it did. It ex- it was a oh. like a cutoff wheel, one of the thin ones, and it I hadn't even got to use it yet. I just hit it. You know, you hook up a tool and you're like, is this thing on? And you hit the button to make sure it's it's running or not before you go to use it. And that's what I did, and it just exploded. And uh, Ouch. yeah, it went up under my face shield, hit me in the eye, and now I'm a pirate. So yeah, it's a the pirate's life for me. <laughs> so, oh, that's a bummer. Be careful. Yeah, yeah, it's, it was weird, but I've I feel like it was is obviously was meant to happen for one reason or another. And I know I've told that story enough times that I've had people reach out and be like, I remembered to put on my safety stuff and one guy in particular was like i told this young kid i was working with to put on his safety gear and he had his grinder explode and it probably and it like embedded in his goggles i'm like hey if i saved one other person from that that's that's enough for me because it was it was very painful (laughs) yeah don't Ah. don't put grinders in your eye that's the psa for the for today's episode um but yeah uh Anyway, I don't know how to segue away from that smoothly, so we'll just we'll just <laughs> oh, roughly just okay, go I, away from. I can oh, mention an eye injury I had, not as severe, right. I don't think. Mm-hmm. But we were filming our TV show, the Aquabat Super Show, around yes. 2011, and um, a favorite and, here in this household. So, all oh, right. So um, mm-hmm. maybe you'll maybe you'll know this episode. It was called Laundry Day, and we fight this like um, laundry monster made out of like. Uh, cl- dirty clothes and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, the people who made the monster, you know, we fight monsters every show, these uh, things that they've built. Um, and we're supposed to get whipped by the monster's arms, right? And okay. because they're just clothes, they're, they're kind of like light. They're not, it's not looking good on camera, like they're real arms. And so they decide to put chains inside them. Oh, geez. To make them heavier okay. so that they... Like look like yeah. a like more of a whip, and that the, they hit us, and <laughs> and so that happens once. Like, like whoa, okay, no, you have to take the chains out because <laughs> it hurt really bad. They're like, I'm hmm, sure it did. Okay, hmm, okay, and then so they're like scrambling, trying to to figure out what to do, and so then they they take zip ties and they okay. put like. Like, I don't know what they put inside, but then they put zip ties on the end. And then they're like, okay, we fixed it. Let's let's go again. Everyone in position. And okay, you're getting whipped by the monster. 
Well, anyway, one of the arms with the zip tie hits me in the eye. So imagine oh. getting like whipped in the eye with a zip tie. Ow! Like wham. the end, like the pointy end. Yeah, like of a, a zip piece tie? of pl- hard piece of plastic. You know, oh, sharp man. hard piece of plastic. Whap! I was like, oh, and and I was done for the day. Yeah, it was like absolutely. I, I had to go to um, optometrist, and because there was like a black, sp- it was incredibly painful, and then like a black spot I could just see in my eye, and I'm like, oh, no. I, oh great! This is permanent. I detached a ret. I, I was freaking out, you know. Mm-hmm. I went and it ended up being it was it was all it was all good. It was just going to take some time for that to go away or whatever. But mm-hmm. extremely painful for a few days. Nothing compared to you. I'm, I'm not trying to com- compare it to yours. No, no, but, no, um, no. It, it's kids, no joke. when you're fighting monsters, make sure there's no zip ties or chains in the arms. The chains, like I'm guessing, the zip ties was something like they were trying to put together some stuff inside that's i'm assuming softer than a chain but it's yeah. interesting that chain was like i know let's try a chain first like wait what yeah <laughs> what <are> we- <laughs> like in the script you know aquabats get whipped by laundry monster uh yeah chains that'll that'll look, that'll make it heavy and then make it look good and so you know okay yeah Man, the hazards of working and we on, did uh, we did our own stunts show. so uh <laughs> <laughs> How, what what was that like? I know you like you joined the band and you're thinking I'm going to be in a band. When they came to you <laughs> with the television show idea, how did that unfold? I, I was all in. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Sounds awesome. Sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was along for the ride, except for yeah. the eyeball thing, of course. But mostly, it looks like a good time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of us got injured to some degree or another shooting that show. It might, you know, it's a kid show, but it was slightly physical. Uh, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, we did say it wasn't an episode until the Aquabats were, you know, laying on the dirt. Because every seems every episode we're down on the ground getting beat by some monster or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like the first, the very first day of shooting the whole show was like uh, we're out in this the the dump and getting whacked by these muck monsters made out of like toxic waste and garbage. Mm-hmm. And they have to keep shooting where I just get hit in the face, like whack, whack, whack. I and remember this, this. Yes. It's this mm-hmm. big, heavy, like it's soaked in this like um, goop, you know? It's this heavy goop on this big, you know, uh, rubber plastic kind of arm. It's just like whack, whack, whack. <laughs> and, and it, you know, like, okay, go again, go again. That doesn't look right. Okay, oh, no, the camera didn't get that one. And it's like, wow, wham. And then uh, we had stunt coordinators on there. And like after, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, they're like, you know, he doesn't actually have to hit you. You can just sell it to the camera where he goes past your face and you just move your head at the same time. And I was like, bro, I'm not an actor. I'm a guitar player. Like (laughs) things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday, you know? (laughs) I like how you use stunt coordinators for the listeners. He he did air quotes there for the audio only people out there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, they were great. They were great. Uh, the second season's stunt coordinator, um, you know, uh, his name was Skip Carson. We filmed that second season in Utah, so he actually just ran like a little dojo. He's like a karate guy who ran a dojo and, and claimed he he was a stunt coordinator. Maybe he did do a few things, but the ironic part is that the second season of the show for an episode, we won an Emmy, a daytime Emmy for stunts. And the stunt coordinator oh, nice. was just a like a karate instructor out of the small town in Utah, <laughs> and it was it was kind of amazing. Uh, so I love it. Yeah, love it. and then like That's when cool. it came time for him to like accept the Emmy, like he couldn't make he couldn't show up. Um, but then we we ended up you know going on tour. We played Salt Lake like the following year, and he like. He rolls up in a limo, like he bought a limo for the night and like had this big night in the town and we had him come up on stage and do karate moves and <laughs> it was pretty fun. It was pretty ridiculous, like most things that we do. I love it. I love yeah. it so much. It's, uh, <laughs> the whole essence of the band is just is just fun. And, yeah, you know, sometimes bands can get a little bit too serious and um, it's nice and refreshing just to go go have a good time. Right. Yeah, I mean, and I like some. I like a bunch of serious bands, but I also, I do too. also always loved bands to. that didn't take themselves too seriously. You know, had some element of, you know, stupidity or jokes or whatever in it. 
So there's there's room for everything in this yeah. weird musical landscape we find ourselves in, for sure. Whoops. There we go. Knocking my microphone around here. But yeah, I mean, I was all in this film of TV show. That sounds awesome. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> and now you have an IMDb. Not yeah, everybody can say that. Go. Look yeah. at that. <laughs> no, that's another risk. funny story, right? So um, the IMDb page, like for you to able to like maintain it yourself, you have to pay for the subscription. Yes. Right. And so I did that for one year. Like, okay, I'm going to like, yeah, I'll make this look good. And it'll, you know, who knows, maybe I could act on some other stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't ended up, you know, not really doing anything with it. So I stopped paying for it. And like, as soon as I stopped paying for it, they like deleted all the pictures that I uploaded. And so now like, um, the picture of me in IMDb is like a picture of my back from a shot in the show it's like (laughs) it's literally just like my shoulder and back and from the show and it's really at at night and it's this dark shot you're like is that is that even a person like what what is that yeah Yeah. exactly yeah it was like before i had like a headshot kind of thing and and um yeah they just deleted all that and so it's like oh you're not gonna pay forget about it erase we're just gonna give you the worst possible and i don't know who else uploads those photographs uh, uh, to your right. IMDb who, page who from the, the world. Back like, shot. <laughs> right. Like who would even <laughs> upload that as like, well, this is a great still from, from their show. <laughs> it's probably the opposite. They tell their interns, they're like, as soon as people stop paying, find yeah. the dumbest picture you can and put it into their IMDb. Yeah, force them to like, like want to like keep paying mm-hmm. to, to uh, maintain it or whatever. So yeah, I thought that if was I remember- ridiculous. If I remember correctly, I think mine's just just a letter B. I think is all it is. It's just like oh, just B. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I n- I never did pay for it. I never even ever in a million years expected to have an IMDb page. So like my my little spots here in the pedal movie were apparently enough to get get me an IMDb page. And it's I think it's just a, unless it's changed in the last three years, it it's probably just still a. Yeah, but who like B. who put the B there? Is that just like a is it a default thing? I think I'd rather have an I there than just a shot of my back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that's true. Well, it's probably because you did pay. Like we got to get him back. Maybe we got to figure yeah, this out. Yeah, that seems pretty vindictive and a lot of work for like some completely unknown guy who's acted in like two things. You know, ah, these tech companies. You know, <laughs> they got to get paid somehow. <laughs> yeah, they're they're really hurting. <laughs> they're really really hurting yeah. poor they're folks barely scraping by those tech companies man uh, <laughs> they'll let's hope they survive you know let's hope <laughs> we, what would yeah. we do without them <laughs> i guess that's true i do use imb quite a bit now you know like i'll be watching a movie or something like where do i know that guy from where where oh, where yeah. have i seen that actor from you know so yeah, it's a it's kind of a convenient tool, I will admit. It's true. It's true. I I do like it. I hope that it continues to exist and Yeah. If they got to try to guilt people into paying for their headshots <laughs> to be correct, I guess that's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> so, when you guys finished up Portland, where did you guys go after that? Was was you're getting close-ish if I remember. Was that like midway through the tour? Or, I yeah, know you'd was, been you know, it wasn't a crazy kind of long tour. It was just mainly West Coast kind of tour. Um, we just kind of headed down the coast from there. You know, you mm-hmm. can play numerous dates in California. So I think uh, I think we did like a week in California after that, basically. Oh, nice. Very nice. I think. I think we did like Seattle, Portland, and then, yeah. About a week in California, San Francisco, Fresno, um, Sacramento, Ventura, L.A., San Diego. Uh, I think that, something like that. It was great. It was a great tour because we hadn't played the West Coast, I think, since before the pandemic, really. Uh, We played a couple of local Orange County shows, but... Mm-hmm. But we hadn't played like, you know, some of the West Coast, Western U.S. states in like five years, I think, at that that point. So, so it was really it felt like to me, it too. Was great. Yeah. A lot of the shows sold out and it was super fun. It was it was a really good night. 
Vincent still talks about it. He, he had so, so much fun. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I had actually never played that venue before. That was so, such a cool place. That was the first time I'd been uh, in any backstage or green room environment at that place. So I wasn't sure what it's like. They're all so different. You know, the Hawthorne Theater is a venue I've been to a lot. And I've been in their air quotes green room a lot. <laughs> and it's which I put it in air quotes because it's mostly a parking lot. Um, right. The green room it's is like a, a box there. of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them, it's like, wow, this is really nice. Like that, they closed off the whole like secondary bar area. Yeah. No, so that was, was like kind of tons awesome. Of room. Yeah. Yeah. There's, that was one kind of, of the best little rooms I've... to change in. And then that whole bar area to hang out in if you didn't want to be yeah. around everyone. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. yeah. You don't get that all the time. Yeah. Then the, then the Roseland, which you've probably played before is like, Somewhere in between, it's just more normal, I would say. Of yeah. the green room, it's just I don't know if I've kind of down in the basement. I might have played the Roseland. I don't know. I feel like whenever we can do Portland, we played the Wonder. Um, the Wonder, Wonder's pretty nice. I haven't been or Loveland. No, I don't know if that place been. is around anymore. Um, the Wonder's good. I like the Wonder. Yeah. It's a local venue review podcast. That's what we're doing now. It's a I love it. They got great food there <laughs> at the Wonder. Yeah. Yeah. They do. They do. And there's a great sandwich shop next door, uh, which I don't know how long that's been open, but there's a new, new-ish sandwich shop next door that's incredible. At, and there was, the and there was like kind of a kind of cool stuff walking distance. I remember like a little record shop and like a, a Nike outlet. You could walk yep. around there and kind of have something to do. That's nice. Rest in peace, the Nike outlet. It's no oh, longer, yeah. <laughs> no longer there as of very recently. Rest in peace. Yeah. Hi. I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Maris Mercury X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4,800 hertz sample rate and 99 preset locations in 33 banks and something along the lines of the most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man? That's all true, but I only care about one thing. This pedal sounds sick. So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at maris.us, as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, now can I have my talkie? How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services. And it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than 2 bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. Well, uh, yeah, cool. <clears throat> well, we'll probably be back next year. Um, next year's the uh, 30th anniversary of the Aquabats. Whoa. So, really? Uh, yeah, 30 years, 94 to 2024. So um, we're planning to, if we can, tour all summer. So That would be whole, great. The whole country is the plan, hopefully, right now. So That's got to be a crazy feeling. You've been with them... How long now? I mean, a long time. I joined in 2006, so yeah. what is that, like 17 years or so? Um, but I still feel like, you know, the new guy, because they were around like 12 years before I joined, I think it was, 12 or 13 years mm-hmm. before I joined. So, um, so yeah, still, still, still the new guy, 17 years in. <laughs> it's, but it's weird, you know, joining a band that's been around that long already. 
mm-hmm. uh, and already has kind of an established sound and 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 look and everything. So you try to fit in and, and honor that that style and everything, but try and bring what it is you do. I think what I do a little to it if I can. You know, I feel like you've done that really well. Without in my opinion, changing it too much, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think you've done it though. Well, thank it, you. You you've definitely you feel every bit like the a full blown in my brain like original member of the band at this point. I know it's not original original, but you're you're very much. It's like hey, it's Eagle Bones. There he is. Like, it's, <laughs> well, I think it's somebody the, five, the core like five it. of us from the TV show have been the longest running lineup. Maybe. Mm-hmm. In the that would make sense. Band. Yeah. We talked about it when you were here, but we weren't recording. So maybe uh, let's segue a little bit into the, the gear section of the podcast. Yeah, what, absolutely. What's the live rig look like there? Um, so uh, usually it's a 68 Fender Basement head with one of the 60s upright 212 calves with Celestian vintage 30s, the old uh, British ones. And then a satellite Barracuda head with an up, another upright 60s uh, Fender cab, 212 cab with uh, the vintage 30s. But I think on this last one, I took out a Super Reverb. And I was going to say, I thought there was a Super Reverb on the yeah, stage I was, this I time. I was trying to change it up a little. I had the... Uh, one of the reissue super reverbs and uh, and the satellite Barracuda with the upright two twelve cab, mm-hmm. and it was cool. But then when I got back to home, I, I swapped it back out for the basement and the <laughs> <laughs> and the Barracuda. That's kind of been my go to live rig for the past little while, decade mm-hmm. maybe, like almost maybe. What do you, what do you use to split to go to both amps? Um, it depends if I'm messing around with different pedals. Uh, for a while I was using, uh, Zvex super hard on that just has two outputs, uh, on it. And then sometimes if I, I'll just daisy chain them. So I go okay. into the basement, out of the basement, second input to the satellite. Got it. But I think maybe at that, at that show, um, on the last tour, I was using the, um, the Keeley. 30 millisecond double tracker pedal. Oh yeah. I think it's perfect for that. Love yeah. That. The thing is awesome. It's, and, uh, and then I was, you know, kind of stereo splitting the widening the signal with that a little. So it's, um, it does a really cool thing, right? Kind of almost a chorus effect, right? Mm-hmm. Delayish chorus kind of effect. Um, I think that's what I was doing on that tour this summer for a lot of the dates. Um, I'm having a bit of a flashback now because we talked about the 30 millisecond and then I was remembering like Chris Benson and I had went down to to help Celise Henderson play. She was doing a a show here in Oregon about two hours south of us and she doesn't tour necessarily with the big, she has these two giant pink Bensons and I don't think she has them with her all the time, but Chris kind of warehouses them for her or something. I'm not exactly sure what the situation is, but yeah. either way, we were bringing those down to her and she was talking about that. Chris had mentioned, you know, that specifically the, the Keeley 30 millisecond, or if you have a stereo delay or stereo, anything that you can put 30 milliseconds being the number that keeps it, you know, gets rid of phasing issues and it just kind of makes it feel wider and sound, just sound cooler when you're running two amps. Cause I've had people, I love playing stereo and I love playing with more than a normal amount of amplifiers. And I've had people <laughs> reach out like, oh, I tried it and it sounded thin and weird. It's like, ah, because you've got some phasing issues going on with the cone that I did not elaborate on. Um, yeah. So, so that can help a lot of that. And I was doing a thing with that Super Reverb, which you can do is like um, jumping the channels on that. But you have because the channels are out of phase, you have to use like an A B box that has a phase switch. It's the um the radial A B Y. Mm-hmm. has a ground lift or and a phase switch. Um because on a lot of the fender amps is, is when you run the if it has two channels and you run them together, you get a rad sound out of it. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. It's 
really cool. Um, if you kind of jump those channels and doing a similar thing with the Vibrolux here, mm. just, just run a, a line from the out or the input of the one from the custom channel into the vintage channel. They're two very differently voiced channels, right? The, mm-hmm. the customs like the basement tone stack, the Vibrolux is more of the classic one. You put them together. It sounds so good. Vibrolux, I've wanted a vintage silver face Vibrolux for so long. And I can't believe I haven't just every year. They just keep ticking up. I'm like, you they know, do. it's really not going to get any cheaper. Yeah. I should probably just pull the trigger on one since I've wanted one for like 10 years. Yeah. But I keep talking myself out of it somehow. I um, love the Vibrolux. I just got this one this year. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. It's one of the best amps I've ever played. For, especially for clean stuff. It's 30, yeah. 30 watts. 30. That's and perfect. this one, this one has the 10-inch greenbacks, two 10-inch greenbacks Celestians in it, which I like to give a little grit when you crank it. And um, dang, this thing sounds beautiful. The reverb sounds mm. great. The trem sounds great. It's just um, beautiful clean amp that's like somewhere between the Princeton and the Super. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it has a sweet spot for sure. And, yeah. you know, I might be a great the for a small, one small gig or a big gig, too, you know? Yeah. You 30 can, watts is like a, a sweet spot, I feel like, for depending on your speaker efficiency and yada, yada, yada. But 30 and watts how loud is your a, drummer is, I guess, too. But uh, <laughs> yeah, true, true. But because um, I had a 30 yeah, watt me, orange oh. that like wasn't just wouldn't cut it. Even with a 412, it was just not loud enough. The AD 30. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting rid of that. One thing I've found with talking to more amp builders and things, it's wattage isn't always wattage. There's I won't name any names, but there's a there's a smaller builder that makes a great little amp that it sounds awesome, but it every time I've heard it, I'm like, that sounds way louder than what you're advertising it is. And then <laughs> talking to some other people, it's like it is. It's way more than the actual the watt the actual wattage on that amp is way higher than the couple watts it's supposed to be. So. Wow. Well, yeah, because yeah, so uh, I have that uh, orange OR15. It's super loud for 15 watts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, so the 30 watt wasn't loud enough. This 15 watt kind of is. How is that possible? <laughs> well, the, the speaker efficiency, too, has a lot to do with that. So yeah. sometimes plugging into a more efficient speaker with the exact same amp, uh, it will, it'll make it sound quite a bit louder. So there's there's a lot of variables going on. Sometimes us guitar players like to hone in on one thing, like what type right. of tubes or how many watts is it? And that's not the full story necessarily of yeah. what we're actually hearing. Well, that brings me, because you're talking about Benson, it looks like they just came out with this uh, amp that looks really cool that uh, has power scaling with a tube. In the, is it the new Monarch Plus? Yeah, you know? I've not played that one yet. I, I just saw him post really about cool it concept. and I'm like, that sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. I really yeah, want to check power that scaling's out. been around forever, and he's yeah. done that before with the more typical setup, I believe. Uh, I don't know if it's ever been a standard option, but I know that I've played Benson's with power scaling, but never with a tube. So now I'm going to have to go to over to Chris's house and make him let me play one here pretty soon. Yeah, because I want to try that. Yeah, man, I'm always using the Weber attenuators live just to um, control things a little bit for the our sound guy. Um, but having built in power scaling would be nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a different, uh, a different approach. There's all kinds of different ways to do it now. That's just so much better than it used to be. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, I love, I'm absolutely over the moon with the boss tube amp expander. It's, it's expensive, but I, I love that thing so much. It just, it makes your little amps big if you want. It makes your big amps little. And you can do so many different things with it. It's just one of my favorite pieces of gear that I've ever owned is the tube amp expander. It's I, don't a, think, I, don't, I don't think I know that one, actually. So it's kind of, you know, like the universal audio, like Oxbox. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that, but it's Boss's version of it. Okay. And I love the Oxbox, and I've heard a lot of great results with it. But the tube amp expander can do quite a bit more. And they're in the same ballpark price-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a similar idea, but yeah, you can go in and you can 
put your own IRs in it, which I'm sure you can in the in the aux as well. Uh, but you can route it in all these different ways. It has a 100 watt power amp built into it. So say like you really love the sound of your Fender Champ breaking up, but it's not loud enough to actually gig with. Yeah. You could run that at, from the speaker out of the Champ into the tube amp expander and then run that out to like a 412 and really be able to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to need to look into this. Yes. I use it mostly for recording direct. Mm-hmm. So I'll either have like one of my bigger amps plugged into it, ran directly into my interface and I'll do the IRs from there. Or I've got a couple IRs loaded in it that I like and I'll just run. And that's great because you can set eight different modes on the front of it. So I have one mode that's just raw and then seven other modes that have IRs I like. And I can just run those into my interface and it sounds, (sighs) it sounds absolutely incredible. Like I, I've gushed about that thing a lot over the (laughs) last year or so that I've had it, but nothing has made, it's like, it's a serious have your cake and eat it too situation when it comes to having a tube amp in the modern era. It's, it's such a, such a cool piece of kit, but definitely the downside is that out. Yeah. It's not cheap, unfortunately. Right. I think it's like 1200 bucks. It's about the box, box, right? Yeah, Yeah. Somewhere in that ballpark, but man, I love it. It's so good. Wow. When did it that come out? That was not an ad. Uh, it actually came out in like, I want to say like 2019, I believe. It's been around okay. for a while. And I got a demo of it at NAM when it was released. They took us in the room and showed us all the, the software. And I'm, I haven't even ex- fully explored all of the options, right? But it's super flexible in that regard. Uh, but then I just, I wanted one ever since then. I just, oh man, I yeah. gotta get one of those. Gotta get one of those. Gotta get one of those. I almost pulled a trigger on a used one. And then, uh, I happened to be talking to boss about something else and they were like, okay, well, let us know what you think. Go live with this one for a little while. And I was like, you can't have it back. It's mine. I need it forever. <laughs> so let's work out. A, let's work out a deal. Uh, but I, I really do. I really do love it. Like, very very much that's so, awesome that yeah that I'm was not they didn't look into that to, to say all that <laughs> <laughs> it's all good no man i mean yeah if you like it talk about it yeah i probably don't talk about it enough for how much i actually use it yeah it's a it's a well-used piece of kit here in the shed nice sure. it's also like kind of hidden like you can kind of see the pedal the vertical pedal board over my shoulder there. yeah that's sitting on top of the tube expander. Oh, cool. So it's kind of sunk down into my tool cart of tone. That, <laughs> that I... <laughs> that, that's a good solution. It's, it's hard to find solutions for, um, you know, storing pedals and, and different things, you know, limited space. I just have a bunch of my pedals in this, like, plastic bucket from Walmart, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I saw somebody on Instagram you do it. I don't remember their handle off the top of my head. They had a bigger box, and I thought, that's that's a perfect solution. Yeah. And then I thought about these carts that have the open top on it. I was like, oh, I could put a vertical board in there. I could put, like, like drawers. And... This... <laughs> I've got one of my, yeah. uh, my tube amp heads down on the bottom shelf that's ran up to the tube amp expander almost permanently. So everything, I just grab two cables from the cart, roll it over here, plug it into my interface, and I'm ready to record pretty much at any time, which is yeah. just like removing barriers to being able to create stuff, I think is an important thing, whether that's songwriting or just wanting to noodle. Like if you can make that, that like cut down some of those walls, it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, I got to get up out of my chair. Okay, I got to walk over here. Like, if there's just a guitar sitting by your chair, you can just grab it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just removing barriers to creativity, I think, is really important. I'm actually planning on a little video about that later this week. I agree. I'm just like, this is my little garage setup in here, and I just pretty much leave it wired all the time. So Mm -hmm. if I have an idea or something, you know, I've already got the, like, you probably can't see it, the, like, um, Audix cab grabber thing just kind of permanently oh, yeah. on the on the amp with the 
the mic right from the speaker. It's wired up to my interface. And so it's like, ah, oh, just turn on the amp, turn on Pro Tools, have and then have the like um what's it called? The session uh template ready, you know? Mm-hmm. Ready to go. Yep. So it just you don't have to like open all tracks, just like click, click, click. Okay, here it is, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. And just remember what most of us are walking around with in our pocket too. Like the amount of ideas that I've captured just like, oh, I got this melody idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm in my yeah. phone for later. Like that has saved so many songs and ideas from just vanishing like they usually do. Right. I have and hundreds. My family of those. and friends have gotten used to me being like, I'm like, hold on. One second. Yeah. I'll just step around the corner and make some noises into my phone and then like, okay, I'm back in the conversation. I'm sorry about that. Like, <laughs> yeah. try not to be too weird, but. I used to do them all in the is. voice memos and now I do them on videos and uh, just in case it's some weird riff where I was like, I don't remember how I played that and I'm having trouble figuring out my own riff. <laughs> uh, dude. A little video. Oh, okay. Okay. That's where I was at. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel yes. if it's videos, like I kind of forget about the that the voice memos are there sometimes. But videos, you'll be scrolling through your phone, like, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I forgot about that riff, and you 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 come in contact with it more often, maybe. And mm-hmm. then I have a little separate folder of song idea videos uh, in my phone. So, yeah, it's a great tool. I think that is has a lot to do with how much music is out there now. You know, think about people like us existed in the 60s and 70s and, and prior, but they didn't have a way to immediately record all their ideas. And you know that a lot of our favorite musicians went, oh, I had this great riff right. while I was walking around today at the store and I forgot yeah. what it was. And now, and that still happens even today, but I think technology being, you know, we were joking about tech companies earlier, but like, but technology being what it is and the amount of creativity people are allowed to explore now that they just didn't have access to yeah. is, I think that's, that's, that's probably worth a lot of the pain that comes with uh, <laughs> <laughs> modern tech. Yeah. I hope. I feel like it is. I'm going to tell myself that it is, whether yeah. it is or not. I'm, I'm going to say it is. No, it's pretty great. I mean, the, you know, your phone is like, uh, it's, it's kind of life changing, you know, when you get a smartphone. And, this, and uh, speaking of like tools for songwriting, like shared like drop boxes or whatever with the band. So now, you know, we can do a lot of work via our phones as far as like sharing song ideas and then emailing each other song ideas. And then, all right, I put it into my session and I add something to it and send it back. And, um, you know, I've got, you, you know, just, recorded a new song last night idea right at band practice and mm-hmm. we're working on a new record right now and um uh our drummer ricky will record it we'll go through it, record it and then he'll email it out to everyone so everyone's got on their phone so you got to listen you can listen to listen back to it immediately and start thinking of like okay what else do we want to do to this song you know and so yeah um yeah it's a great tool for like connecting with the band and you can be working on stuff outside of band practice band practice now for us is like as focused as it can be you know it's like mm-hmm. we've got so much other things jobs and families going on and it, it, it and you know we're not super full-time with this so it's like we can squeeze in when we can we got to make good use of the in-person time where you need that in-person like throwing ideas around and and working stuff out that uh it's nice to have the other tools to work on the stuff when you're not around and keep things moving, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. You just read my mind where I was going with the next line of questioning, though, because we are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the Gear Exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there that's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card 
as your payout method. That is not too shabby, because let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff. Hello there. I'd like to introduce you to your new best friend, the Chase Bliss Audio Lossy. Lossy is a collaboration between Chase Bliss and Goodhertz. It's meant to give you some control over those weird digital artifacts that come with very compressed audio. You're hearing it right now. All the changes that are taking place are strictly coming from my plane dynamics. I'm just interacting with the pedal and letting it do its thing. And some true stereo goodness. If you'd like some more details about Lossy, I invite you to head over to chaseblintsaudio.com. I think you're going to like what you find. I like Aquabats for not being a full-time thing. I, I think a lot of people who follow your band would not expect you to say that. I think outside looking in, it has all the appearances of this is a full-time band. Yeah. And I know that you That's a do good illusion. Though. Let's other... keep that up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's like intentional. It doesn't seem feel like it's any kind of trickery or anything. It's just it looks exactly like what most full-time bands look like yeah. to outside looking in. You guys are always doing promotion stuff. You guys are always doing you're always out there. You're doing things. You're ta- you're staying present. Maybe it doesn't feel like that on your end, but it sure looks like that to everybody else. But with you specifically, I've talked to a lot of dads on this show that have families and that they, yeah. they struggle just balancing band life and tours and writing with trying not struggle that's the wrong word but it's it's something you have to pay attention to uh while also trying to maintain a healthy family life but you also have another job on top of that like how do you balance all of these things that's got to be it's got to be a challenge yeah well um i'm glad we look like we're busier than we really are maybe or <laughs> or whatever um you know when we did the tv show we were pretty full-time we kind of had to be but I, th- mm-hmm. I feel like that was the only that stretch of just a few years there was the only time where we were like everyone was full-time aquabats since i've been in the band i think before i was in the band there was a time where they were full-time on it in the 90s um mm-hmm. the late 90s they were touring a ton making records a little more frequently. And I think that just happens naturally when you when you when the band first starts, right? You get this momentum and then and then it becomes it was their thing. Um but when I came in, it was um <laughs> the first tour they called this better work or we'll, or we're dead tour. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh yeah, it was, you know, since I started, it was part time all the time, um, mm-hmm. and except for that window when we made the TV show, I think, because that was all consuming, you know, every day, sure. all day. Um, but yeah, you know, it's 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 a challenge with everyone and trying to juggle crazy lives as you get older, right? And responsibilities kind of stack up. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, hopefully we can keep it going like this we have a great kind of um booking agent and management uh team i think too within the last just few years um have well we've had our booking agent forever stormy shepherd from leave home she's amazing but um the kind of management team we've had come in since we did our we did a kickstarter in like was that 2017 or 18 and um they originally helped with us with that. And then kind of one of them kind of stayed on to help manage us. And it's kind of revolutionized us in our merch and our kind of 
social media presence and stuff and kind of kept really kept the ball rolling. So Jordan and Jessa, these uh, are amazing and they've really kind of helped that perception and helped reach out, especially with our merch thing. You know, a lot of bands, um, this happens to and happened to us. Like we're getting screwed over by our merch companies. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and in a lot of different ways. And, and it seems like that was always the case at some point. And now we do all of our merch in house. And, um, and so it's like coming up with new products is really, really fun. We can have a lot of input and then we'll do kind of short runs where we'll do pre-sale first. And if it hits a number of pre-sale, then we'll make the item. So it's almost mm-hmm. like crowdsourcing merch items, almost like a Kickstarter for merch items so that we don't, start randomly making stuff and then no one buys it and we're left with a bunch of stuff no one wants we put float right. it out there like here's the idea do you guys want this and if we get enough mm-hmm. pre-sales to a certain point cool we make it so it's kind of a whole different philosophy uh, you know than, than a lot of other bands used to do so and keeping items fresh and and new ones every every few months and stuff is is, is cool too so and yeah you know we're all kind of doing other things too uh some of us will teach teach some lessons online we have a a fan base that's really awesome and helps support us through the pandemic doing that i was doing lessons zoom guitar lessons ricky was doing uh, zoom drum lessons and stuff like that so um yeah and so i try and out there i'm doing stuff with fender here and there and um so I try to stay active out there in the guitar world while still trying to, you know, pay my rent too. <laughs> so ever, ever evolving the, challenge. The, the eternal keeping struggle. Keeping the roof over your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned something there that I think was kind of important and a little bit overlooked. And I just want to touch on it real quick, which is bringing things in house. Not everybody has the capacity to do everything in house. But I can tell you from my experience, the more things that we fold in house over at Stringjoy, long term, the better it's been. You know, yeah. it's definitely a, a bumpy transition and it's never fun. And there are aspects of it that are always challenging and always evolving. But on the whole, you get so much more control over what you're actually producing. It, it really, it's a lot of work. It's definitely the quote unquote hard way to go. Yeah. But the end result is better for everybody, I think. And if more bands could do that, and I'm not even saying like you have to sit down and screen print all your own t-shirts. Like, yeah, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not printing our own stuff. <laughs> I mean, right. That would be cool too, but um, we are kind of housing it and, and, and shipping it and, and stuff. So, Yeah. <clears throat> there's levels to all of it too. Yeah. Um, but just, it, I think a lot of people get kind of hooked on the, the printfuls and the things like that, that do everything for you, which are also valuable and have their place. Yeah. But don't get, don't get stuck thinking that's the only solution because it, you might be better served putting your mitts into it a little bit more and seeing what you can do and end up with a little bit more margin and, all that stuff. So yeah, it was just just something to think about. A big part of it was like, like the accounting on it all, you know, and just knowing exactly what, what we sold and exactly what we made and not relying on anyone else for that, you know, Mm -hmm. without going into too many details, but we're lucky. We have a super supportive uh, fan base that, that uh, really supports us well in, in those items. There's, there's an element to the some Aquabats fans that are kind of the comic book collector kind of mentality. They want every T-shirt or, you know, right stuff like that, which is really cool. Yeah. So well, um, and that was my first show. That was my first Aquabats show. Even though I've been following you guys forever, that was the first one I'd I'd went to, and it was exactly what I thought. And hanging out with everybody there, with it was just it's just a different vibe. I mean, it, there's a lot of there was some hardcore punk rockers there. There was a lot of, you know, regular old dads like me and just, but the vibe was all the same. Everyone was there to have a good time and 
nothing else. There was no other agenda, but like, we're just here to have uh, the best night that we could possibly have and enjoy ourselves. Yeah. And that's a unique experience. I think sometimes there's a, I think everybody wants to enjoy themselves at shows, but there's different forms of release. You know, you'll go to some shows and it's just like, <laughs> I want to tear up the pit. I, I do that. I've yeah. been there. Uh, yeah. But this was just like, let's bounce pizza off our heads and have a great time. That's, <laughs> that's all we're doing. Yeah. I feel like the Aquabats is some is a band you have to see live. Yes. You know, 100%. like you can listen to the records. I mean, it's just not the same, really. No. As the live no. thing. So there's a, there's some bands like that, too. Guar, you know, or <coughs> excuse me. Um, I still got to get to a Guar show. Yeah, on the on the other spectrum of things, that's it's, fun too. It's pretty Just amazing, a different kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, and no matter where you stand, you're gonna get hosed. So just so be, be mind, mindful of that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I could stand in the back and be fine. Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah. I wonder if, if venues have to charge Guar a cleaning fee. You think, or they just they just know that's what's going to happen, and they just go with it. I don't know. I know that in some venues they try to put up plastic sheeting and stuffs here and there. It seems like, but yeah, man, I don't. There has to be, there has to be something <laughs> contract wise. I'm sure. <laughs> One of our friends uh, is out on the road with them right now. Part of their crew used to tour with us too. I could I could ask him. We could find out. Um, but it's. Love, I think that it's even more of a production than us, you know, with uh, the buckets of blood <laughs> being rained <laughs> down upon the crowd. Yeah, it's a it's an intense overall. I mean, I've seen clips, and I can only imagine being there. It, I I don't know. I that's a life goal. I've got to see yeah. War one of these days. Well, they're on tour right now. Maybe. Check it out. Maybe they're coming through. <laughs> Oop, I know what I'm googling after this is over. <laughs> Well, Ian, we've uh, reached close to the end of the main episode, and I definitely got some weird stuff I want to talk to you about over on Patreon. All right. But as as tradition would dictate, I, this is the point in the show where I would like the guests to take the floor, you know, shout out anybody you want to shout out, plug anything you want to plug, say anything you want to say to a few thousand people right now. The floor is yours, and then we'll go into the, the classic questions, which you've experienced before, but... We'll see if there's any updates there. Okay. But right now, the floor is yours. Hmm. Uh, well, yeah. Keep an eye out if you're interested. Aquabat's uh, Rude Tech Falcon Drive pedal. Yeah. Version 2.0 will uh, be released soon. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Been really digging Earthquaker devices recently. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Using a bunch of their pedals. Been really fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. That works. I've got but, I got nothing grand to say today. <laughs> <laughs> that works just fine. All right, man. Well, you've kind of probably kind of answered this already in, you know, because we just talked about the pedal, but maybe maybe we can add a, an additional one. Okay, this, but what is your favorite boss pedal? Well, classically, it's been the Super Overdrive. That's been mm-hmm. my my go to. Um, if I had to do a second, let's do a second. Let's do a second. Um, Maybe well, even a third, since you already know. mentioned the DS One. So we'll let you, we'll let you get away with multiple here. Oh. What do we got here? The CH1, the Super Chorus. Ah, uh, yes. Very nice. Yeah. The uh, Super Overdrive was my first pedal. This was my second pedal. I still think Your it's a second pretty... second pedal ever? Yeah. Wow. I still think it's a pretty decent chorus. Mm-hmm. Definitely for that, like, early 90s kind of heavy metal chorus sound, you know, when it's used with, with the distortion. So, Yeah. We'll go CH1. I think that's the first time that's that's been pulled as a as a favorite. So you win there. All right. <laughs> yeah, I was All you right, know next... when I was oh. first starting playing guitar, I loved Zach Wild, and I remember him using the Super Overdrive and the Super Chorus, which is probably a big reason 
for me getting these, but I've used it a bunch over the years. Is that the one that you originally got? Too? Yeah. 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 Still probably, kicking? Probably like 1992. Yeah. It's had, it's a little gross. <laughs> as as it, everyone's favorite pedals get a little gross over time. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. All right. Final question. Here we go. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Has it changed? You still sticking with uh, your original answer, which I, I'm a little foggy on. It was quite a few years ago now. It was but. John's Pizzeria on Bleecker Street in New York City. On Bleecker. That's yeah. right. We've I both think it's going to have to stay. I love that place. I think it's going to have to stay there. Yeah. I was, love John's. That was incredible. That incredible experience. John's on Bleecker is legit, everybody. Go. If you're in New York, you're not vended. John's on Bleecker. It's like the Do pizza it. you kind of dream about. Like, oh, man, I wish I could go. New York City right now for that pizza. New York City infected my family, which is a that sounds like a punk rock album, but um, <laughs> or, a, or a memoir, you know? <laughs> yeah. But like, my wife and I constantly will just eat, sometimes we'll be eating pizza here and just like look at each other. We really need to go back to New York City. That's <laughs> <laughs> true, it's just not quite cutting it. There's some amazing pizza places here in Portland. And uh, next time you're here, maybe we can go around. But yeah. the uh, something about New York City, yeah. the, the hype is real, everybody. It really, really is. is. Really is. Mm-hmm. It's the patina. It's the history. You know? It's the history. It's yeah. the vibe when you're sitting. I remember sitting there, like looking up at the buildings and just eating a slice on the street and going, "Yep, there's something." Yeah. It's a vibe. It's a flavor. It's a texture. It's the whole thing. I'll give you a second. Can I give like a second it. one though? Since, yeah, let's do since it. I threw that same one last time. Second one is uh, Geno's East in Chicago. Okay. That one I can't speak to. Yeah. It's that's the a, completely that's, that's opposite. Deep it, it's the deep yeah. dish. It takes like 45 minutes to make. You know, one slice mm-hmm. will pretty much do most people in. Um, yeah. That, it's incredible. I lived in Chicago for a little bit when I was a kid. And so I have some just awesome memories of that place too. So. I need to go to Chicago. I've yeah. probably said that 20 times on this show over the years. I've never <laughs> been to Chicago. Oh, man, it's I a great city. That. It's a great town. One, one of these days. Well, dude, thank you so much for hanging out. Yeah. I always enjoy talking to you. And thank you. We can slide over to Patreon and get weird. Is that what Let's do it. You? Yeah, let's do it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. For Ian, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, folks, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Of course, there is more over on Patreon. If you just got to have it for five bucks a month, you will get extra episodes beamed right to your ears every single week. And thank you to everybody who does that. That five bucks actually does move mountains for me. So thank you so much for the support. It really means a lot. And also, you'll get access to the ad-free feed over there. If you just want the ad-free feed, You can get that for even cheaper, but for five bucks, you'll get extra content every single week. Thank you so much for hanging out. I really appreciate you, and I will talk to you all next week or maybe even a little sooner. We'll see how this shakes out. I got some content in the can that I'm trying to get out there. I just need a little time to get it cut up and ready. All right. Thank you all so much. I appreciate you. Talk to you on the internet very, very soon. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com slash StringJoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too.
If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.